Hey everyone, welcome back to the e-commerce platform show. This is the podcast where I chat with founders and industry leaders in the e-commerce space to learn more about their journey into founding and building successful businesses. On this show, you'll get unique insights and actionable steps that you can implement from the best and most innovative people in the industry. I'm your host, Rohit Nainan. Let's jump into it. Alrighty. Today's guest is a founder whose love for animals has led to the creation of a whimsical brand called Cat in the Box. Uh, It caters for cats' biological need to have access to boxes. Um, She's created award-winning, unique, eco-friendly playhouses for guardians to place in their homes for their cats. Welcome to the e-commerce show, Dawn LaFontaine. So nice to meet you, Rohit, and thank you so much for, for having me here today. No, no, I really appreciate it. I'm super interested in this. Um, but, but I guess to get going, maybe we can educate the listeners. You know, firstly, what is Cat in the Box and, and what inspired you to start this unique business? Well, Cat in the Box makes whimsical cardboard box playhouses for cats who think inside the box. If you've uh, spent even, you know, seven and a half seconds with a cat, you probably already know that cats are crazy for cardboard boxes. Um, There's actually some pretty serious science that explains why uh, cats are bizarrely attracted to boxes. Um, But uh, I've been a lifelong animal lover myself, and I've always made things for uh, my pets when I couldn't find what I was looking for in the store. So I'm always thinking about um, what animals might need and how to make things better. And um, I actually got the idea for this business when I was visiting my mother's cat sitter with her. Um, The woman had a beautifully appointed home. And her living room was filled with cardboard boxes. Um, uh, you know, she saw me looking around at the boxes and she said quite sheepishly, they're for the cats. So yeah. I already knew that cats love cardboard boxes, but it got me thinking, why do people put up with, you know, dirty, ugly Amazon shipping boxes in their homes? That's awesome. Yeah. And so in, from that moment, did you have an idea of what Cat in the Box looked like? Or, you know, did you know that from that moment? I think I'm going to start something to address this particular need. Well, I was actually at a crossroads in my own life, deciding what I was going to do next. Um, both of my kids had gone off to college. Uh, you know, actually, the the reason we were visiting the cat sitter is it was my daughter's graduation um, cruise that we <laughs> that we were taking. Was that's what she asked for instead of a party? And so I was quite literally at that crossroads, right in my life, trying to figure out what to do. And, um, you know, one of the thoughts I'd always had in the back of my mind was to start a business. And I'm just the kind of person who is always thinking about a better way of doing something, always, mm. every, everything, whether I'm in the kitchen, whether, you know, I'm taking a shower, what it's just, it, it's always coming to me. And, but, but animals have always been my thing. My, my pets have always meant a lot to me. So um, when I had this particular um, light bulb moment, uh, I thought that's what I want to do next. I love that. And so what is your background? Is it, you know, focused traditionally? Have you done e-commerce stuff in the past? Like, is this your first business? Like, give us a bit more of an insight around that. Yes. Well, I was a stay-at-home mother for uh, maybe 23 years or so. (laughs) So, no. (laughs) Um, And my background before that was um, in finance and business writing. So, no, I have no, I had no skills whatsoever. I, I, in fact, if I had known what I didn't know, I probably wouldn't have done it. (laughs) Right. I've heard that a lot. I've heard that a lot, but it just pays off to uh, just get started. (laughs) Ignorance Um. is is a good thing sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Um, I'm interested though, you touched on, uh, you know, the, the, cats needs for for boxes um and you mentioned there's some science behind that i'd like to flesh that out a little bit more 
Oh, sure. Well, actually, uh, you know, it's not just one scientist who was, um, you know, interested in this question. It's quite a few scientists all over the world because it is such a, a universal phenomenon. Cats really, if you put um, a box that earrings came in on the ground, they'll go in. If you put a box that a refrigerator came in, they'll go in. They're just particularly curious and obsessed with cardboard boxes. So um, science so far has come up with, you know, three uh, possible explanations, and, and probably they're all true. Um, the first one, and probably the most important one, is that cats have a higher thermoneutral zone than humans have. And the thermoneutral zone is the temperature at which um, a living thing does, you know, not have to expend any additional energy to stay warm or to keep mm. cool. So the kind of the temperature they're comfortable with. And we humans kind of keep our houses at around 70 um, degrees Fahrenheit. And cats actually probably would prefer something, you know, 86 to 97 degrees Fahrenheit. So about um, 20 degrees higher than, than what we like is what they like. Mm. And the great thing about cardboard, and, and you'll actually find um, other products now. At the time, there, there wasn't any that, you know, when I started this business, there weren't any other similar products. But a lot of products that are made now are made with paperboard, which looks like cardboard. It's the kind of thing that game boards are made of in cereal boxes. Um, but the kind of boxes that cats really like are corrugated boxes. And um, it's a little harder material to work with than paperboard. But corrugation, corrugated cardboard have corrugations. And corrugations are very insulating. And so um, uh, they help keep a cat warm. And curling up inside a small box helps keep a cat warm. So contrary to what some people believe, a nice tight box is actually what cats like. They like something that, um, you, know, is, you know, is very snug. Mm. The second... Uh, scientific reason that cats love cardboard boxes has to do with um, with soothing their anxiety. Uh, a Dutch uh, behavioral scientist studied cats newly arrived to um, cat shelters, and what she found was that cats who were given access to a cardboard box um, got used to their um, new digs more quickly, were more interested in interacting with people than cats without access to a cardboard box. And her conclusion was that that uh, you know, having a safe place to hide helps cats self-soothe. Um, and the third reason probably has to do with cats' sort of natural instincts. I mean, our cats get mm. all their food from a can, but they have a natural instinct to hunt. And one of the and they're ambush hunters, by the way. There's more than one kind of um, hunter um, if you're a predator. But ambush hunting means simply hiding and then jumping out and pouncing on something. And so, cardboard boxes are a great place for cats to hide and. Um, get to uh, experience and exhibit some of their natural hunting behaviors. Yeah, well, that's so interesting. Um, that's so fascinating. I have a cat as well, and you can definitely see that instinctual, like hiding behind things and, and jumping out if there's, you know, you're playing and stuff like that. Um, Your ankles, yeah, so definitely. Yeah, and the ankles, <laughs> yep. Don't forget about that. Uh, that's so interesting. Um, I'm curious, though, like, if we go back to kind of, you've, you've, you know, you've wandered into the cat sitter's house. It's a beautiful place. There's heaps of cardboard boxes everywhere. And then you think, oh, okay, maybe I should try and, you know, solve this and, and potentially make, um, you know, more nicer looking uh, boxes for these cats. But but how do you validate whether that's a product that people want, right? Because that might be just a need right. that you're solving. Right. And had I known what I was doing, I would have validated the product first. <laughs> but I didn't. I left right on in. <laughs> I know now the right way to do things. But I said, oh, I'm just, I'll make them, you know, you know it was like um I don't know if you've ever seen the movie, you know, um, Field of Dreams, if you build it, they will come. And that was kind of what I thought. Like you you make something really cool and people will just go out and buy it. And um, by the way, that's not how that works. Um, but <laughs> had I known 
the right way to to do a thing like this, I would have tried to validate it first. I'm not. I, I haven't, you know, given any thought to what I would do, but but instead, I leapt in and made huge capital purchases and bought inventory and um, yeah, went about it the wrong way. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, so you took a massive risk. Like you just bought, uh, you know, all, everything from scratch and had this basically all this inventory that you needed to get rid of. Right. I did get rid of it. I, mean, I, I have, I have basically sold everything I've ever made. So that's, uh, that, that kind of panned out, but, um, uh, but yeah, at the time I didn't know that that wasn't the way to do things. Yeah, no, that's interesting. I'm, I'm curious though, like you were saying that it's corrugated cardboard that, that cats really love. How did you go about sourcing the materials for the creation of, of the product? Well, I actually just started cold calling um, box manufacturers, and it's a little bit of a Goldilocks thing, as I as I soon learned. There are bigger companies that have so, so car- corrugated cardboard is a really difficult material to work with. It's just not a forgiving material, and it's it, it's it doesn't bend, it doesn't fold in in clever ways the way paperboard does, which is why you'll see so many paperboard products on the market now. Um, so the companies that have the ability to make complex designs were not interested in somebody who wanted to order, you know, 500 of something. Mm. And the companies that would be thrilled with an order of, of 500 of something uh, just don't have, didn't have the capabilities to manipulate the material the way I needed them to. So it was a lot of just, could you do it? Could, you know, calling and a lot, you know, a lot, of, you know, it, it's like cold calling for anything else. People don't mm. call you back. And, um, but I eventually found a local manufacturer that was willing to give it a try. Yeah, interesting. Uh, you know, out of interest, do you know how many cold calls you made? Like, what was that process like? Uh, I'm, I mean, I'm a very persistent person, so I don't really, I don't. That that's not the kind of thing that gets in my way, nor the kind of thing that I dwell on. And I, I'm, I'm sure I made many dozens of calls. Actually, I ended up changing manufacturers about two or three years ago. Um, I had some issues with with my current manufacturer. They just weren't. They they make boxes, and boxes don't have to be perfect. But my products had to be perfect, and I couldn't, you know, they, they were making, if they made, you know, 500, there would be, you know, 150 that were not up to my standards, and they felt I, you know, that that, that was good enough. So anyway, I, I did have to go through the whole same process all over again. I called companies all over the country. I'm sure I called hundreds of companies or, or emailed hundreds of companies until I found my current manufacturer. So it actually is, you know, was probably a little bit harder than I remember it being initially. Yeah, no, that, that's fair enough. Like, I feel like persistence is one of those things that, as an entrepreneur you need to have because you will face a lot of pushback and a lot of no. So it's important right. to kind of just keep going. Um, I'm curious though, like with the, with the manufacturing of these um, boxes, are there any considerations for the actual, you know, cat's health that goes into this? Right. So absolutely. And I, I think I'm quite literally the only company that now makes cardboard boxes that does it this way. But cats are obsessed with not just being inside a cardboard box, but with chewing on cardboard. And mm. you, I mean, I, I actually have a, a cute little TikTok video that somebody made of, of her cat, like eating cardboard, her, <laughs> my cardboard, my, actually this, <laughs> this is a, this is one of my products here. It's a, it's a milk, uh, it's, it's a, a milk carton. Um, and it's an adorable video if you go into my TikTok and I mean, I don't, you know, my recommendation is if you've got a cat that actually consumes cardboard, they probably shouldn't have cardboard. But if your cat's a licker or just a biter um, of cardboard, you want to make sure anything that they're putting in their mouth is is safe for them. And um, the inks on my cardboard boxes are, um, are 
designed for contact with human food. So they're soy and water-based inks, and you can feel safe that your cat is licking and chewing my boxes. Mm. No, that's yeah. I feel like that's such an important um, consideration because you don't want you know people's uh, cats chewing up the boxes and then getting sick, and then that causes all sorts of dramas. Um, but that's fascinating. I'm curious, like, did you make any wrong assumptions before starting the business that you know ended up costing you? <laughs> I made a lot of wrong assumptions. I'm not, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. But one of the first wrong assumptions I made had to do with shipping. Um, two, I, I made the wrong assumption twice, actually. Um, my first thought was that people would want to put these things away. And so I would sell them flat. And they could just assemble them and then disassemble them. And, you know, who? as it turns out, actually, people don't want to put them away. They're really cute. And they want to keep them out in their living room. And right. they take photos of them all the time. So that was my first. I'm kind of a neat nick and, uh, uh, you know, I would want to put them away, but I'm the only one. Um, so I initially designed them so that they could be disassembled and, and reassembled, and nobody ever used that feature, so I, I changed it. But the, the first you know, wrong assumption had to do with the fact that I would ship them flat. You cannot ship these things flat. They're massive. And, mm. and you know, it's, it goes into this balloon pricing it's, it's a, uh, for uh, shipping through USPS. That's insane. So my my. Second thought was, oh, I'll ship them assembled, which is actually with my two initial designs. It's how I still ship them. And shipping them assembled was great for about a year. Um, they had a, a, the Postal Service had a, um, a bulk shipping kind of rate that worked really great with my products. But about mm. a year into it, they changed the rate and, and the price went up um, some multiple. So um, my second, third, fourth products were all had to be redesigned so that they could be very, very compact and ship more efficiently. Yeah, no, that's fascinating. So there's definitely kind of a lot of pivoting that has to go on. I would assume that's true of every um, entrepreneurial endeavor that when people talk about, you know, I'm so successful now, what they fail to describe is all the pivoting that was done prior to their success. I, I, I find it hard to imagine that anybody ever went from initial idea to overwhelming success with no hiccups in between. Yeah. Yeah. No, great, great, great point. Um, I'm interested though, like, let's say we've gone through the journey. Um, you've figured out what you want to build. You've, you've started the manufacturing process. How did you get your first customers that weren't family or friends? Well, actually I got on, are you familiar with product hunt? Yeah, I am actually. So like within five days of turning my website on, I got on Product Hunt and that was how I got some of my first customers. Did you have any launch, um, you know, did you just launch or did you have some sort of checklist to do before you launched? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, yeah, had I had the playbook back then, I would have done it, would have done it that way. No, I just actually contacted somebody on, on Product Hunt, someone who I'd known had um, covered some other pet products in the past. That was all I did. Wow. Yeah, that's fascinating. Product Hunt, I've, I've always thought is, you know, for those uh, developer, like software engineering projects, it's all like tech-based. Um, that and, and then, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it seems like the people at Product Hunt love cats, it seems. <laughs> I love that. So, so, yeah, you launch on Product Hunt and you get your first customers. Um, you know, how did you, how did you, I guess, suppose, begin to grow um, that particular user base? Well, um, I, I actually use social media, to be honest. Uh, it, you know, I had no, and really still have a minimal marketing budget. I had no marketing budget. And, you know, social media is a free opportunity to reach a lot of people. 
and I started out on Instagram. I actually have over 10,000 followers now and um, it's a, just a great, it's, it's, it's a perfect platform for a very visual product like mine because people mm. like to take pictures of their cats. These are, they're really fun props for pe people to use with their cats. And because cats are so naturally attracted to them, um, they are always getting great photos. They're sending them to me. They're posting them on Instagram themselves. It actually makes my job really, really easy. I don't have yeah. to really create content for social media. And it's also, um, you know, um, it, it shows that the it's a positive user experience. People are showing that they're happy with the with the product. I, I'm not telling them that people, you know, cats like this product. I, they don't have to hear it from me. They can hear it from the cats mm. and they can hear it from the other cat guardians. Yeah, yeah, no, so true. So I'm curious, you mentioned that, you know, the, the shipping issues, um, you know, the rate changes, all that sort of stuff. But were there any other challenges that you faced in these really early days of, of getting the product to people? Um, or, or marketing, uh, what did that look like? I mean, yeah, I face, and I still do, because I don't know all of these things yet. And I, I think it's impossible to know it all. And yet I'm still just a, a solopreneur. And I mean, I really, I really didn't even, I didn't know anything. I didn't know anything about um, shopping cart, hosted shopping carts. I did not know anything about HTML. I didn't know anything about how to, how to make the little, postage sticker thing, print the postage stickers. I, and I didn't know how, even how to, how to calculate it. I, so, I mean, thank goodness for Google, but, but it, everything, like when I got my first order, I panicked because I, I hadn't even put one in a box, in a shipping box yet. I didn't really even mm. know if it would fit. I didn't know. I, I just didn't know how would he, how do you get it out the door? I was using the wrong kind of tape to start with. I mean, it, everything's really <laughs> a lot of trial and error when you don't either a have a, a mentor or B have, you know, have done it before. Yeah. Wow. There's, yeah. I feel like there's so many different considerations that you need to, to have. Um, and if you don't know it, then it's, you'll learn on the job or um, you got to find someone else who's done it before. But with this particular product, it seems um, so niche that maybe there's not that many people who have done it before. So it's, it's on you to learn. Right. Um, and I actually, for this particular thing, I think I was the, I, I don't think that there were any other products like this on the market when I started none. So um maybe I gave somebody some ideas. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. You you mentioned, you touched on this actually, you mentioned this in an article and you touched on it recently, um, just then previously that, you know, building a good product isn't enough for people to find you. So I'm curious, right? You mentioned the social media um, and, and posting other people's content that they've, uh, you know, sent you back of the products that you've sent them. Um, but I'm curious, like what other strategies did you use to find customers in these early days? Well, one of the other, one of the you know major sources of customers for me are actually not my customers. Um, I actually do a lot of wholesale business. In fact, I got a big shipment sitting out in my living room right now that's going to London to a little pet store in London. Um, so um, reaching out to um, boutique pet stores have been has been a great source for me. I can they already have customers. Um, mm. I don't have to go find customers because those customers are walking in their front door. So um, I mean, learning wholesale is a whole different set of challenges, but it is another great way of, of finding people. And then they find me again. They, they may buy it from a, a pet store in London, but they'll find me on social media and, and, and send me photos. So. Mm. I'm curious, like how does those conversations go with wholesalers? Like, uh, you know, for me, I've never stepped foot in, you know, physical products selling. So I'm curious, like, what, how do you approach these wholesalers and, and, and what's the conversations like to get your product in their stores? 
Well, there are two ways of going about it. So one is seriously just cold calling. And I have done it both ways. I have, well, literally called people on the phone myself, walked in the stores. Um, I actually did a little postcard thing. I just um, sent out photos with a QR code of my products to, to various, um, I had, I actually had a beach cottage. I'm all sold out at the moment, but I sent them to little pet stores and little gift shops all over coastal towns, all over the U S. So one way is just literally, you know, pounding the pavement, literally mm. and figuratively pounding the pavement. And the other way is through wholesale platforms, um, like fair. And again, I'm selling to customers that already exist. In this case, they're already on the platform looking for folks like me, looking for products like mine. And that's super easy. I have to say that is the easiest way to, right. to find customers, but you don't find them all that way. So uh, you got to do both. Yeah. You have to have like this omni-channel approach, right? Different channels to, to bring right. traffic back to your stores. Um, with the wholesalers, uh, you know, is there some sort of minimum sales that you've, have to, you've had to make on your own before, you know, they say, okay, this product's good enough to come into our stores or, you know, do you just approach them? And then just say, hey, this is a cool product that I'm building. I think it will fit really well in your stores. Like what, what if I were to kind of, you know, want to place a product in a wholesaler, um, you know, what conversations would I have? How would I pitch it? Right. So if I'm physically going into a store, I usually bring a sales sheet that I've created. So it's like a, um, almost like a one page brochure that has all the statistics about the product on it, the um, MSRP, what I'm selling it for, how to find it. Um, you know, I usually have some quotes from customers who, you know, five-star review kind of quotes. Um, and I bring that in. I actually will bring the physical product into the store. I will just, you know, here, you know, are you interested? And that has actually worked, um, believe it wow. or not. I mean, it's not, it's one of those things, got to throw a lot of darts at the dartboard kind of yeah. thing. But, um, but that actually works. And with the wholesale platforms like FAIR, they do all the vetting um, for their retail customers. So those retail customers already feel confident that they're buying from um, from somebody who's been vetted. And also they have the, you know, the, the platform itself. If they're not happy, they can, you know, return the item. Luckily that hasn't happened for me, but but they could. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Uh, I'm curious, like you, you started a blog, I saw, um, to become a, a cat expert. Was, you know, what other content ideas do you have to, to drive traffic to the store? You know, the, you've got the social media, you've got the blog. Um, you tell us a bit more about the blog, what's all about and, and what else that you, that you do. Well, it was one of those things. I actually have mentors now. So this is something I highly recommend you start with. Don't, you know, don't pick up in the middle. But <laughs> one of my mentors was telling me, he said, you've got to, you've got to, if you want organic traffic, you have to reach out to customers. And, and, and I actually thought of it um, sort of as a, you know, I thought of it in two ways. One was, you know, what a great marketing tool, but more importantly, you know, being in and around um, and having contact with a lot of cat guardians, I realized that there's a lot of misinformation about cats mm. out there. Uh, cats are kind of inscrutable. Um, dogs, we kind of can read and we know what they're thinking. They're just, they wear their hearts on their sleeves and, you know, when they're happy, they look happy. When they're, you know, dangerous, they look dangerous. Cats <laughs> are hard to read. And, and people make a lot of wrong assumptions about their behaviors and, and what they really mean. And so I thought of it also not as a way just of, of reaching out to, to people who might not know me, but um, as a way of um, providing a service to customers who, want, who really genuinely want to understand their cats and also to um, put an end to some of the misinformation that's out there about cats. And uh, so, um, I, you know, I started the blog, I, mean, I, I wrote a blog post that probably didn't put 
you know, a third of the amount of effort that I put into them now from my very, very first one. And mm. I just threw it out there just to see. And of course, you know, you don't get any traffic from that for a while. But all of a sudden, I started to notice that people were looking for answers to that question and coming to my site. And it was, it was an absolute, you know, revelation. And that, that people will, if you have in good information, Google will help them find you. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just, so I write um, a blog post, a very in-depth, well-researched blog post every single week. Um, wow. And about topics of interest to cat guardians. And so some of those things might be health topics. I just wrote a, um, a blog post about feline infectious peritonitis, which is a, a very misunderstood disease um, in cats. And I also wrote one, um, what was my, if you'll, if you'll just excuse me here, I'm just going to look up my last one here that I just wrote. <laughs> no, that's so good. Um, I wrote one, um, uh, well, here, I wrote one, uh, should I get an Apple AirTag for my cat? I wrote, why do, you know, do cats get the hiccups? Um, why do cats open their mouths when they smell? Th- those kind of topics. And um, I build traffic really, really quickly to some of these topics. And I'm, I'm so delighted that people are finding me and that they're learning what their cats really mean by the behaviors that they display. Yeah, no, that's so cool. I, I'm curious, now you've said these blog posts, you know, should I put an air tag on my cat? What's the answer to that? <laughs> I invite you to go and read my blog post. The short answer <laughs> is, if you want to find your cat in your house, which believe me, that can be a problem for some people. It's, and if you, if you have an iPhone uh, 11 or greater, um, I'd say, you, an air tag is great. If you are, if you live in a city and you're afraid of your cat getting out the front door and there are lots of people, you know, with iPhones nearby, an Apple air tag can really, really help you find your cat. If you live somewhere that backs up to the woods where there are no people with other iPhones, um, the air tag's not going to help you find your cat. No luck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Well, I live in the city, so um, maybe air tag is the way to go. It's so, a twenty nine dollar investment, and I recommend it in, in that case. Yeah, <laughs> beautiful. Look, you mentioned you're a solopreneur, and, and you know, being a bootstrap founder means that you've got, you know, no help to do lots of jobs. I'm curious, from your perspective, what are some parts uh, about running businesses that you love? I mean, my favorite thing about running my business, my absolute favorite thing, and and the thing that I, I just didn't know was going to happen is that I get to talk to people who are like-minded all day long. I mean, people email me about cat questions all the time. Um, I talk to cat people through Instagram, through DMs. Um, I talk to customers about their cats. I am a lifelong animal lover. I love talking about cats. So this has been one of the great unexpected joys of my business. That's awesome. And then in terms of, you know, things that you don't like, like, you know, if I'm a solopreneur, you know, there's copy, there's marketing, um, there's sales, there's the cold calling. Like what parts about it, you know, do you find most challenging? Right. So the, the thing I find most challenging is being pulled in a million different directions every minute. Like, um, you know, last night I was actually packing the order for London, but I feel like, you know, I mean, you got to pack those orders because people have already paid for them. So that's got to be your first priority. But after that, mm. what do you do next? I mean, there's so many things demanding your attention and the other part of the other side of that is that you can't be good at all of them. I mean, there's nobody, nobody's good at all of them. And so you're kind of mediocre at a lot of things or, or worse. <laughs> um, so like, I'm, I don't know anything about marketing. I really don't. And I mean, consequently, I've, you know, wasted some, um, some good money um, on, you know, on Facebook marketing or Google marketing. I don't know what I'm doing. 
Um, but it costs a lot of money to pay people who are good at what they're doing, <laughs> you know, mm. at those kind of things. So um, it's just, it's a really, really hard thing. There's just, you can't be good at everything. Is that something you've outsourced or is everything that you do, um, you do it yourself? Everything I've done so far, I do it myself. In the future, I can imagine a time where, I mean, I don't do my own plumbing, right? I don't, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not rewiring my house. I hire experts for things that I can't do well. So in the future, I can imagine hiring people to do what I don't do well. Yeah, no, that's fair. I feel like it's a very good encouragement for people, you know, that you don't have to be good at everything, that it's okay to be right. mediocre at some things and, and, and just figure it out. Like it's, you right. can do it. And, and, and lean into the things that you are good at. Like the writing comes, I, I have a background in writing. It comes really, really easily to me and I enjoy it so much. I love digging into these topics. I love writing about them. So I'm never going to outsource that ever. I mean, I'm, mm. I think I'm good at the product design. I, I, I think like my animals. I mean, I, I know what cats like. I, I've lived with so many. I, I know, I already, I mean, I have, you know, if, if money weren't, an, weren't um, a barrier, I have 4 million ideas in my head right now. I know what cats <laughs> like. So I'm never going to outsource the design to anybody else either. I love that. I'm curious though, what, what went wrong with the Facebook and, and you know, Google ads? And, and what would you encourage people not to do based on your mistakes maybe? Well, um, F Facebook is, is difficult. Um, and I broke even on those. I'm not going to say that I didn't, um, you know, that it was a disaster or anything. I just, I don't know what the right thing to do is. I think that the bottom line is you need to know, you need to use somebody who knows what they're doing to, to mm. help you at least do it. Um, so I didn't, yeah, it wasn't a loss. It just wasn't, wasn't a good use of my time ultimately. Right. Um, and I tried a few different ads still, you know, like a still photo. I tried some video. Um, a video definitely seemed to be um, much more uh, effective. Um, and the Google ads, I, I, you know, they've got the, the new system now that makes, you don't have to even think, I think, <laughs> to use them. Um, so I need to try that again. But um, I don't have advice because I didn't learn anything from it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, all good. And, and in, you know, in these early days when you were you know, still small, um, what was the, the tech stack that you used at the time? Like what was the, the website builder that you used and, and kind of what do you recommend for people early on in their journey um, to, you, to start off with? I still use, it was Shopify and I still use Shopify. And that's a great out of the box solution because you don't have to know a whole lot to be able to use um, a, a Shopify theme. In fact, I knew nothing and I was able to come up with a pretty nice website pretty easily. Mm. Um, and it has a lot of, it has a lot of functionality. I would say the, the downside for me of Shopify is that it's a nickel and diming to death situation. So, um, you know, I, I don't want to stack on too many apps because I don't want to slow down my site. And I also don't want to increase my monthly, um, my, my monthly burden of uh, app fees. Um, but, you know, I, there are a few things I wish sort of came, came in the box with Shopify. But other than that, I've got no, no complaints and I, I will continue to use it. Nice. I mean, we touched on it a bit earlier, but, and, you know, you mentioned it, but I'm curious to know, like, what was the journey like scaling up? So you've got your initial customers. We talked a bit more about the marketing and the content and the blogs and that sort of thing. But, you know, from going from maybe a hundred customers to where you are now, what was that journey like? And, and was it kind of a linear path or was it, you know, a little bit more stagnant at some points and then spiky at other points? I'm not sure I'm there yet, Rohit. <laughs> I mean, I'm still, you know, still, you know, going up the hill. I mean, I think it's, that's, that's what it is. And um, it's been a linear journey is how I would describe it now. Um, still, 
And I mean, every customer is hard won. Every customer is appreciated. Um, I, um, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to the day when it takes off exponentially. Mm. No, fair enough. And and when did you decide, uh, you said you had a million ideas of different products, but you, I see on the site that you've got, you know, a bunch of other cat toys and stockings, you know, how did you decide to expand your product lines? And when did you know it was the right time to do so? I don't, I don't think I do know what the right time is. I, I kind of just get enchanted by certain ideas and I want to try something. And um, I'm actually working right now on a couple different products. One, um, I'm actually, um, it, I'm having samples sent to me from Nepal. Um, so I'm super excited about that. I, I'm, um, I'm actually working with some, um, some women who are doing prototypes for me um, of a particular um, textile product in um, their Minnesota, actually, um, they're, they're wonderful sewers. They um, make, one of them makes costumes for the opera. Um, and and um, so I have some something very, very particular. I actually dreamed about it. I dreamed about cats using these products. And I woke <laughs> up and I said, I got to make that. So, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not sure that that's, um, you know, you know, maybe that's not the way to go about it. You, you, you know, just something that, you know, enchants you. But I just know, I know what... If I can get these things made, I know what cats will like. Yeah. Yeah. You literally had a vision and uh, you made it happen, which is cool. Right. I'm curious I, though. Yeah, I, oh, no, sorry. Go on. I was just going to say that just, there are so many things. They're just, um, I mean, I have dogs too. And, the, you know, you walk into a pet store, there's so many things for dogs. But the, the cat aisles are not, are not filled. They're just not, mm. and there's just so many, um, I think because people don't understand cats, they don't, they don't realize how many things there are that they could really enjoy or benefit from. One thing I'm noticing from you is that, you know, the decisions that you make are not often, uh, you know, backed by anything except your intuition, but the, <laughs> not the, necessarily the, a good thing. <laughs> no, well, I, what I think I was going to say as well, it, it seems that it seems to pay off because it, you have such a deep understanding of the problem space. Um, and so I feel like, you know, that, that might be a lesson to all the entrepreneurs out there um, when it comes to, you know, making decisions about you know, pricing or, or, or products lines. Um, the most important thing, you know, from your story, at least, it seems to be um, knowing deeply what cats want and what the guardians of the cats want and, and making that happen for them. Well, it's awfully nice of you to say that, Rohit. It's, it's nice to hear it too. Thank you. I'm curious, like with the pricing, you know, you like, like maybe this is another intuition question, but how did you decide to, uh, you know, on the price of the products that you sell? Well, wholesale is a very particular thing. So uh, right now, when I think about pricing, I also, I, I first think about wholesale, to be honest. Mm. Um, so you, you've got to, um, I mean, I kind of think of it as in quarters, you know, it, it costs one quarter to make it. Um, you know, you, you got to take the, the next quarter and if it's wholesale, they got to take the next 50%. So that's mm. kind of how I think about it with wholesale pricing. And then I back a retail price out, out of that. So that's how I think about it now. But at the time yeah. I, I just thought, what are these, what will people pay for these things? <laughs> I <don't know>. <laughs> <laughs> have you done any pricing experiments or have you kept it the same, you know, pretty much from, from the I mean, beginning? I had to change my pricing when the, when the, um, cost of shipping went up because when the cost of the shipping is more than the cost to make the product, I have to, that, that's, wow. a, that's a huge thing. I, I uh, my products ship, um, to my retail customers, uh, with free shipping. Um, if they knew what it really cost to ship, they'd be horrified. So, yeah. um, so that's, <laughs> that's where we are with that. Yeah, no, no, definitely. Is, do you find that customers these days, um, 
you know, will only buy if there is free shipping. I feel like that's now more of an entitlement uh, rather than a, than a kind of it bonus is. or perk. Um, and I, I, I do sell a couple items on Amazon. Yes. Th- thank you, Amazon, for, <laughs> for, <laughs> for making they think that shipping doesn't cost anything because it costs a lot. And um, I mean, it's, of course, it's built into every product, isn't it? You know, everything's built in already. Whether you pay for shipping, whether you pay for mm. it or you don't. But the idea that you know what the price is ahead of time and that there's no, you don't have to see the shipping is something that people expect. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, Dawn, what is the biggest challenge that you have faced um, from creation to now uh, that, uh, with Cat, Cat in a Box? Self-doubt. That's the mm. number one. Um, and I'm a pretty confident person and I'm very, very persistent and I don't give up. But this kind of thing can can do a little to your ego. <laughs> That's all I got to say. <laughs> Especially when, um, I mean, there's sometimes people that surround you in your life that um, don't think this is what you should be doing. And so, um, you know, um, I mean, I think self-doubt's a real thing with entrepreneurs. Do you have any strategies that you've used to overcome that self-doubt? Well, um, I know myself pretty well, and I remind myself of what I know, and that's all. And I know there isn't anything that I haven't done in my life that I haven't figured out eventually. And I figure if other people have figured this out, well, then I can too. Hmm. That's very wise. I love that. Definitely something to take take in and, and, and kind of ponder. <laughs> I'm curious, Dawn, what um, does the future look like for Cat in the Box? Um, and maybe even just a comment in, in e-commerce in general. Well, I think COVID showed us that people like to buy things online. <laughs> so I think, mm. um, I think e-commerce is only, um, it's, it's the future, really. Um, and I, what I do think also might be the future is an interest in small companies like mine, the idea of supporting an actual family when you're buying something, the idea mm. of buying directly from somebody, cutting out all the, the expense of the middleman too. Um, you know, um, so I think that, that that may be where this is going. I think people, when they see somebody on Instagram, they, they want to buy from them. They don't necessarily have to buy from Walmart or, or something like that. Yeah. Um, and you had another, oh, and the future of my business is cat things, cat things, cat things. There are so <laughs> many things out there that cats could really use that they would really enjoy that would make life, a life of living indoors um, more interesting for them, more stimulating, things that would meet their biological needs. Um, I, I have so many, just so many ideas. Um, and uh, I, so, um, I, you know, I, I hope to just keep developing, developing new ones. Great. That's cool. And, and, uh, you know, with Cat in the Box, did you ever imagine it to be kind of where it is today? I did actually. I mean, who doesn't, right? Why would you start mm. this if you wouldn't, if you weren't imagining that? <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, I'm, uh, yes, of course. I met, I met, what I didn't imagine was all the steps in between. Um, but I'm glad I didn't because I wouldn't have started it otherwise. That's awesome. Dawn, this has been such an insightful chat. I really do appreciate appreciate you jumping on. Um, where can people find you and, and where can people find Cat in the Box? So Cat in the Box, um, the website is thecatisinthebox.com. You can certainly find me 
on uh, Instagram at the cat is in the box with periods between each of the words. Um, you can find me on TikTok and you can find me on Facebook too. I'm not that hard to find. I love that. We'll link, um, we'll link all the, the, the socials in our description so people can find you. But Dawn, thank you so much for jumping on. I really appreciate it. I love chatting with you today, Rohit. Thank you so much.